Thanks, Sarah. We're going to hear from God's Word now. So uh, if you want to open up, if you have a Bible with you, to Philippians chapter 1. Zach's going to be uh, speaking on this shortly. Uh, Paul writing uh, from prison to the Philippian church from jail. Philippians chapter 1. We'll be reading the whole chapter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains... Most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am going to go on living in the body, 
This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and the joy and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves worthy in a, uh, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Alrighty. Good, good morning, church. How are we all going? It's been a lot so far. Thank you for being here with us. I want you all to sort of, um, yeah, refocus, join with me. It's, it's been a lot, but thank you for being here this morning. Uh, I want to start this morning by telling you about a group in uh, America. They're called God Behind Bars. And they do the incredible work of bringing the hope of Jesus Christ to those affected by incarceration. It's a little, that's a, a picture from their website, God Belongs in Prison. It's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek because they're saying, we want to be able to bring the hope of Jesus to those who have no hope. So remarkably, this group, they have seen countless inmates and their families introduced to the hope of Jesus. They've seen their lives and their families' lives changed forever for good. In a letter, one inmate says, I have so many testimonies that I will not be able to share them all. The greatest testimony I can ever give is that I am covered by the blood of Christ and will follow him for the rest of my days. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. There has been so much hurt and pain in my life that only through Christ can anyone face so much turmoil and find peace. He is the true rock and cornerstone of my life. This man who has had a tumultuous life, he's also a man that is just filled with joy. Although imprisoned, he is free because of the faith that he has. I'm one of the elders here at Gosford Presbyterian Church, and I have the privilege today of being able to preach to you all from this wonderful letter to the church in Philippi. I want to say from the outset, as I said earlier, that this letter is all about joy. It's all about hope. The main point of today, of this message, 
is that those who follow Jesus can be a free and joy-filled people because of the gospel. That can be the case no matter what situation we find ourselves in. Which raises the question, how do we have joy in any circumstance? How do we have this kind of joy? And we're going to, we're going to see today that the answer is threefold. The first is that we can be, uh, it's because we're not alone in this world or the next. We have partners in the gospel. For those who follow Jesus, you are in community. And you are in a community of people who are filled with joy. And the second is that no matter what the situation is, no matter whether we're in prison or facing death, we can be rejoicing as long as we know the gospel is advancing. No matter what the situation, if the gospel advances, that is good news. And third is that that means we should strive together to spread the gospel and live lives worthy of this thing we believe in. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter from behind prison walls, as I said. Philippians is one of four letters in the New Testament that scholars believe he wrote from, from staying a stint in prison. He's writing to the church he established in Philippi for probably two reasons. The first is he's awaiting trial, and he was pretty sure he was going to die as is the case for most Roman prisoners awaiting trial. So he was preparing them for that possible yet bleak outcome. And the second is, he wasn't dead yet. So he was confirming the friendship that he had with them and the brotherhood he had with his dearly beloved church. And he was encouraging them to not stop partnering with him because he was alive And he was joyful, and he was serving the Lord in prison, and he wanted to show them that although I'm in prison, I'm serving the Lord. And just as you guys are outside of prison, you too can serve the Lord. He sought to strengthen them and their faith, to urge them on to be joy-filled people, just as he was. Which is why I've titled today's sermon, Because of the Gospel. It's because the Gospel produces joyful hope. And it shapes the way we live. So first up, be in a joy-filled community of people. Because of the gospel, we can be in a joy-filled community. This is because we're not alone in this world or in the next. We have partners in the gospel. We have partners in God's mission. Paul had partners in Philippi, people who longed for him. They cared for him, they feared for him, they prayed for him. And in their fear, he sought to to show them that you don't need to be afraid, that they could have the same joy that he had because of the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we read from verse 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people, in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel, 
from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Now, Paul, he had many partners. He was writing this letter with one of his delegates, Timothy, a gospel partner. He was writing to the Philippian church and their elders and their deacons, gospel partners. And he was writing to them with the authority of God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the link between all these partnerships. He begins this letter with a common greeting, grace and peace to you all. The uncommon thing, though, is, as I said, is the extraordinarily prominent theme of joy. It occurs a total of 14 times in this chapter. That's three and a half times, sorry, 14 times in the, in the letter, and that's a total of three and a half times per chapter. It's pretty phenomenal. This letter written from prison is just saturated with joy, and it's evident in the way he speaks. He thanks God every time he remembers them. In all his prayers, he always prays with joy. Which, yeah, it leaves you asking that question. How can someone imprisoned simply for sharing their faith be left with so much joy? And it's because he had gospel partners. Because he was a part of faithful communities of believers. From the beginning, they were faithful partners in God's mission. And because of that, he's confident that God who began a good work in them will carry it on to completion. The Apostle Paul was a joy-filled person. We see further evidence in this from verse 7, where he says, It is right for me to feel this way about you, to, to be joy, joyous about you and to always pray with joy, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Joy is a right response to whatever circumstance the believer faith finds themselves in. Another inmate from the God Behind Bars program said this, I've learned through the ministry from God Behind Bars visiting that my situation nor my past have not separated me from the love of Jesus. God planted me in prison where I experienced his word come alive. What a beautiful challenge. <laughs> Who of us can, can say with so much joy that no matter what situation I'm in, I can be joyful? Because God is good. Now, being joyful, it's more than just experiencing an emotion. It does cause action to take place. We see this in a few possible ways from verse, verses 9. And the first of this is we, we pray. We, through humble and dependence, we, we humbly and dependently lean on God in prayer. When you don't feel joy, or if you do, prayer is the first thing to turn to. To, to lean on God, to ask him to help you. The second thing is, draw near to God. He prays that their love may abound more and more in the 
knowledge and depth of insight. Knowing God is more than just knowing stuff about God. Knowing God, it's relational. When we love God, it's because our knowledge and depth of insight has grown. And so that's why he prays for them, that they would increase in their knowledge and depth of insight, so that they can be a changed people too. The third thing is, flee from sin. He prays that they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's through love that's abounding in knowledge and depth of insight that you're able to flee from sin, that you can discern what's best, that you can be pure and blameless. And it's not our own righteousness. It's his that he gives to us. And the fourth thing is we praise God. He ends the prayer with, yeah, to the glory and praise of God. After praying that their love would increase, that they'd know God more deeply, that they'd be able to discern what is best and be pure and blameless and be filled with righteousness, he doesn't stop there. He then worships God. Because of the gospel, we can be a joy-filled community of people. We can pray. We can draw near to God. We can flee from sin and we can worship him no matter how difficult life gets. That is the wonder of being people who have hope because of the gospel. Because we are God's people. Which leads me to my next point, which is that we, because of the gospel, we can be rejoicing however the gospel advances. No matter what the situation we're in, whether people are preaching it from false motives whether it's because of persecution or we've been in prison like Paul, if the gospel is being proclaimed, we can rejoice. We can be happy. If the gospel advances, it is good news. We read from verse 12, Yeah, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare to share all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Paul was imprisoned, but that served to propel the gospel forward. Because of his imprisonment, the whole palace guard and everyone else knew he was in chains for Christ. You know that old stereotypical um, scene from a prison movie where inmate A asks inmate B, what are you in for? Imagine getting to say, well, I've got a story to tell you. <laughs> Imagine getting to say, to share your faith in Jesus because everyone can just see, you know, what you're in there for. <laughs> Paul, uh, his imprisonment, uh, because of that, the whole palace guard, they knew why he was there because of his faith. And what's more is because of this, others are more confident 
in the Lord. They see Paul proclaiming from prison. Paul's friends were encouraged because even while imprisoned, he was preaching the good news. And then they go out and do the same too. So, what is this good news? Christians, we we use the word gospel to define what this good news is. And it's believing and treasuring that Jesus Christ, he is truly God and he is truly man. And he lived a perfectly sinful, a sinless life. He never did anything wrong. He died by crucifixion, the death that we deserved in our place for all the wrong things that we could have ever done or ever will do. He rose from the dead and three days later he was resurrected from the dead and now he lives for eternity. The gospel is the good news that if you believe this, your sins are forgiven. Every every wrong thing you've ever done or ever could do It's forgiven because Jesus paid the price for your wrongs. If you believe in this simple message, in this simple gospel, you are forgiven. You are a redeemed person. You will live for eternity at peace, in perfection, with God forever. Paul and many others, they were proclaiming this good news because it brings freedom and joy and peace and hope to all who trust in it. Some were preaching from strange motives, though. Some were preaching out of envy, out of rivalry, you know, selfish ambition, insincerity. They were trying to cause trouble for Paul. But the mind-blowing thing is what we read in verse 8. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, Whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. Because of this, I rejoice. If news is televised, whether the broadcaster is telling it with negative or positive intentions, that doesn't matter. He's saying what matters is that the good news is getting out there. Because of this, we, like Paul, we can rejoice when the gospel advances, no matter how it advances even if the situation is difficult. Being joyful. Being joyful whenever the gospel advances won't always be easy. Especially if it does mean things like our imprisonment or possible persecution or threat or not fitting in well with our friends at school or work or even in our families if it causes division. And yet, we can continue to rejoice. Just as Paul says, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I expect, uh, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Whether the fu- whatever the future holds for Paul, he won't be deprived of his joy. Because whether he lives or dies, Christ will be exalted. Christ will be made much of. He will be worshipped. Which is why he can go on to say, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. 
I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary that I stay that for, for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. To live is Christ. Paul saw his entire existence deriving its meaning from the Lord. To live is fruitful, sacrificial service and labour. To live is to serve others by preaching the gospel to them. To live was to propel and progress the joy of the Philippian church in their faith by living a Christ-shaped sacrificial life. To die is gain. Paul knows that if he were to die, he wouldn't lose his joy. And he remember, he's writing to a church for this, with a very real and possible outcome that he could die while imprisoned. So that means if his joy wouldn't be lost in death, then their joy shouldn't be lost in his death either. Because of the gospel, not only can we be a joy-filled community of people, but we can also be people who rejoice whenever the gospel advances, no matter how it advances. Because believing in the gospel, it produces never-ending joy for both us and those who hear it and believe. That leads me to my last point, and this one's shorter than the other two. I'm sorry. But because of the gospel, we can be striving together for the gospel. This means that we live lives worthy of the message that we preach and proclaim and believe. This last verse, these last verses, they emphasize how in the give and take of life at Philippi, the gospel might progress by means of the church of Philippi. For us, that means the gospel, the gospel advances as we progress in our faith, whether in suffering, hardship, peace or freedom. As a church, as a community of believers, let's continue to spread this good news. Let's strive together to spread the good news you believe in. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, whether being frightened in any way by those, sorry, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that you will be destroyed. Sorry. (laughs) This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. And that by God. The Philippians were to live lives that experience suffering because of their faith, just as we may now or one day in the future. But in that suffering, they were to live lives worthy of the gospel. Lives that were joyful, sacrificial, enduring and hope-filled. And whether Paul was released from prison and came and saw them or not, He would know that they were okay, that they were progressing in the faith, that they would stand firm in the Holy Spirit, striving together for the gospel.
not being afraid, not being frightened in any way by those who oppose them. If they do this, that is the sign to them that they are saved. The word sign there in verse 28 simply means to prove or to demonstrate. A sign is something that points toward the direction of something else. Now for the Philippians, living lives worthy of the gospel, lives that strive together as one for the faith of the gospel, lives that weren't frightened in any way by those who opposed them, lives that were joyful in any circumstance, this was their sign, this was their proof, their demonstration. It didn't give them faith, but their faith proved who they were. This sign proved that they were in Jesus. It's a demonstration to both them and their enemies that God is the one who saved them. The hard reality is although we live for God, life won't always be easy. We read from verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. The Philippians would suffer in this day. They would suffer. We too may suffer. But because of the gospel, we can and we should live lives that are worthy of the good news that we believe in. Lives that strive together to share this good news. Because it's the greatest reality in this universe. Nothing ever will ever, nothing will ever come close to being as wonderful as knowing and being known by God. And doing so in a community of people who share the same faith we have. Because of the gospel, we can and should strive together for the gospel. This means living lives of unity in the Holy Spirit as God's chosen people. It means being free from fear by those who might oppose us. It means rejoicing in hope no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. It means if we suffer, we can seek to use that to spread the gospel and rejoice because the gospel brings joy to all. Now, every aspect of the Christian's life is shaped by Christ. That means we, more than anyone else in the world, can rejoice because of what he has done for us and through us. Joy won't always come easy, but it's something that can be ours because Christ has made a way for that to happen. Today we've seen glimpses of how that can be. Because of the gospel, we can be in a joy-filled community of people. Because of the gospel, we can be rejoicing however the gospel advances. And because of the gospel, we can be striving together for the gospel. As we conclude our gathering today, I want to encourage everyone to continue contemplating how you can be doing these three things. Now please join with me in prayer as we ask for God to help us do this now. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we we thank you so much for the good, good news that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we are saved, not because of anything we have done, not because of any good work of our own, but purely and only because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of his life, his death, and his resurrection, Lord. Lord, we thank you that 
we thank you that we can be a joy-filled people, that we can rejoice as the gospel goes forward, that we can strive together with joy for the gospel to go forward because of who you are and how good you have been to us. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to take our eyes off our own circumstances and away from the troubles and pain we have. And Lord, help us to to focus our eyes on serving you, to see the hope that the gospel has and gives and brings, and to reflect that to those around us. And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.